Hello and welcome to this new episode in our series of Simmons & Simmons Mediation Podcasts. My name is Sasha Kuhn and I am one of our firm's mediation specialists. Mediation clauses is our topic today and who would be better placed to provide us with insights into this topic than my fellow partner Nick Peters from our Amsterdam office. Nick heads the international litigation and arbitration practice in the Netherlands. This practice covers the full range of commercial litigation and alternative dispute resolution. And he teaches arbitration and other means of alternative dispute resolution as a professor at the University of Groningen and regularly publishes books and articles on these topics. So, Nick, without any further ado, maybe to immediately start with first question. Um, in, in your practice, how often does it happen that your clients opt for mediation in their conflict resolution clauses? I think that's a very, very interesting question, Sasha. And, and, and in all fairness, I think, I think that has changed over the years. Um, ten years ago, I rarely encountered mediation clauses. Um, and clients almost never requested me to include such clauses in their in their contracts. But apparently, um, times have changed. Uh, litigation has become, well, very expensive and, according to many parties, um, unpredictable. Uh, courts have um, extensive backlog and, 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 of course, that has increased due to the, to the COVID-19 pandemic. And in many jurisdictions, you know, litigation takes years. So as an alternative to, to litigation, mediation has become popular. Um, and mediation in this respect is also encouraged at a national and international level. And what we see, in, in at least in the Netherlands, and I believe it's the same in, in many other jurisdictions, um, courts try to persuade parties to opt for mediation. So whenever there is a whenever there is a hearing, uh, parties are invited to, to 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 commence mediation or to begin mediation. And in some jurisdiction, even before you can have a hearing, you must have tried um, mediation. And in, and in other countries, particularly some southern European countries, mediation has become compulsory for certain types of, of dispute. Um, so so mediation has become much more popular. And what I see in my practice is that um, parties prefer multi-tier clauses where mm -hmm. uh, mediation is one of the, or mediation is quite often the first step uh, in, in such multi-tier dispute resolution clause, uh, where, where parties must try mediation before they can commence um, litigation or, or arbitration. And I've been requested regularly also to, to, to advise on these clauses or to come up with a, with a model clause for a contract for, for one of our colleagues. So, yeah, I can say that mediation has become much more popular uh, in the last decade. And when you're talking about those multi-tier clauses, is it your experience that parties then really give it a try? And, and and really take the issue of mediation serious, or is that more of a thing for the for the public, so to say? Um, but in in all honesty, people will directly prepare themselves for litigation if there is a dispute and a conflict between the parties. Um, I guess it it it's fair eyes. It's occasionally parties see it as an as an obligation. If not a legal one, then at least a moral one, because they 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 had agreed on it in 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 their clause. Whilst other parties say, well, you know, me mediation is a voluntary process. At the end of the day, everybody can walk away. So 
you know, why should we waste any time and money on it if, if there's no certainty that, that we will reach a solution at the end? Um, but, but in my view, if, if there is, you know, even if it is mentioned as an option in, 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 in the contract, you know, it is, it is helpful that it is in there. Uh, because it is a driver for, for parties to, to think of mediation and to try to pursue mediation. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Now, l- let's assume I'm a client of yours and I contact you and tell you that, yes, I want to have a mediation clause in my contract. Um, w- what would you say? What are the things that I should pay attention to when agreeing on mediation? Or what, what are the essential aspects that I must take into account when drafting a mediation clause? The first and foremost element is, is, is something we already briefly touched upon. And that is the question whether parties intend mediation to be obligatory or whether they intend the mediation to be as an, to, to be an option, an available but not a compulsory route um, to, to, to abide by. Um, and that is very important because in, in, in some jurisdictions, if parties agree to mediation in a clause, they are bound to that agreement and they have to. Uh, 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 try mediation because otherwise they will be declared inadmissible uh, by courts or arbitral tribunals if they have not pursued that route. Whilst in other media, in other jurisdiction, that is not the case. Um, but you don't want these discussions. So, so it is very important to give some upfront thought um, um, about, you know, about your intent. Do you want? mediation as an option in a contract or as a as, as a compulsory route and i think that is that is really an, an important consideration for the parties and and if you were my client i would i would discuss this with you mm-hmm. okay and maybe looking further at how to to draft uh, such a clause there's often the difference between so-called free mediation and organized mediation um, do, do you have any preference in this regard? Um, no, not really. I think that both work well, uh, and I think that in both uh, or for both, um, the most decisive factor is the person of the mediator. If you have a mediator that is, you know, experienced and, and trusted and respected by by both parties, that can make um, a big difference. And so I think that is more, so, so the person of the mediator is, in my view, more important than whether you have an organized mediation or a free mediation, as you call that. Um, but if you have organized mediation, um, certain elements have been already, um, uh, uh, you know, there's a rule book. Let me rephrase. There's a rule book and certain elements of the mediation have, have already been agreed upon, so to say. Um, for example, you know, confidentiality could not be an issue, doesn't have to be an issue anymore. Uh, the rulebook could could provide that 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 the mediators can never be, be be called to be heard as a witness by either of the parties. That there is a, a duty of, as I said, a duty of confidentiality, or the rulebook could provide that in case of of a mediation, uh, 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 the period for the time. Barring of the claim does not commence. Whilst when you have a free mediation, all these you know elements are not dealt with, are not, and 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 you need to to agree upon all these elements separately. 
um, which which takes time um, and which may, you know, cause some frustration as well, uh, because then the parties occasionally are are, are already fighting about, you know, about about how to do the mediation, uh, and of course that's not the best start for a mediation. Mm. The, the the counter view would be that if the parties are able to agree on the mechanism, um, then that's a very good sign that they will be able to agree on other things as well. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that is not one true. Um, there are several versions of the truth, probably. Um, that, that, that's of that's of course that that's of course absolutely correct. But I've you know experienced you know a couple of times that that. That it was very difficult to agree on, you know, the the, the mechanism, as you call it, um, and then that's very frustrating. Okay. Now, maybe looking at another point, when I'm dealing with clients who have no mediation experience whatsoever, neither positive nor negative, um, the, the question that sometimes comes up is. Um, whether there are any traps and whether the the other party which is suggesting mediation is trying to lure my party into a difficult uh, trap, to to use that term again. Um, What what would be your answer to such question? And and are there any traps that clients should be um, aware of when deciding to, um, to choose mediation as a dispute resolution tool? This is a very, very interesting question. I, uh, but did you ever encounter guerrilla tactics in mediation? No, not really. Yet. The the fear of guerrilla tactics, yes, um, but not really that kind of tactics in mediation. No, neither have I. Um, but if you talk about uh, about a trap, um, you know, now I'm thinking of it coming unprepared to the table. I think that that is the biggest trap for for a party when when, when it comes to mediation. Um, it's 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 not just a free chit chat. I think that you should be very well um, prepared before you commence mediation, and you should have a clear view um, on your position and on what you know the purpose of the mediation is. When when do you think that the mediation is successful? When when what is the purpose of the mediation? I think that that is um, very important to 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 identify upfront. Um, and what I've experienced in in my uh, uh, practice occasionally is that um, if parties are, are are not really well prepared, um, it's very difficult to 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 come on the right track, so to say, to to bring the mediation to successful closing. I fully agree with you. I remember one case where indeed it was very clear that a party had basically left the the dispute to its lawyers and trusted that their lawyers would be the driving force in the mediation. And when they were asked what their goal really was and what it was that they wanted to achieve, um, it was very, very clear and obvious that they didn't have an idea. So yes, I agree. Mediation definitely is, it, it should feel like a nice discussion, um, but you should not um, 
misread the situation as one for which you shouldn't be prepared. Absolutely agreed with you. Okay. Yeah. Now, maybe one last question. We are both predominantly working in in an international environment, and and many of the disputes that we are dealing with are indeed cross-border disputes. When we're talking about cross-border contracts and the um, the design of a mediation clause in such contracts, is there anything from your perspective that should be taken particularly into consideration? Not so much with regard to the drafting of the clause, but with regard to the mediation itself, um, parties should be aware that there are huge cultural differences with regard to mediation. Uh, a mediation, for example, in the Netherlands, uh, you know, may be completely different than, than a standard mediation in England. So if an English and an, and an, and an, and a Dutch party agree to mediation, they, they should be aware of these cultural differences and they should be aware that parties may expect different, um, different things from a mediation or a mediator. Um, and, 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 and that should be clear upfront to avoid any you know, surprises. And, 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 and a very important element when it comes to cross-border uh, mediation is, is, you know, the enforcement of the settlement agreement. Uh, and suppose you have a successful mediation, parties reach a, 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 a settlement agreement, um, and then things turn sour again. Uh, and one of the parties does not abide by um, the settlement agreement. Um, and the other party needs to enforce that agreement. Um, for arbitration, we have the New York Convention for um, court litigation, court judgment. You have within Europe, you have the Brussels One Biz Regulation, and 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 and, and outside Europe, you have you know various international um, treaties. Um, but for mediation, um, until recently, there was no international. Um, treaty. So it was not that easy to enforce an, 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 a settlement agreement in a foreign um, jurisdiction. And recently, and, and of course you know that, uh, the, 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 the Singapore Convention on International Mediation was, uh, was drafted, was signed by uh, approximately 50 parties and recently entered into, entered into force. Um, which is all very promising and, 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 and I think a very good development. Um, but unfortunately, the EU nor EU member states are party to this convention. So within the EU, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not always that easy to, to enforce a settlement agreement. There are some tricks uh, to make the, 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 that process much easier and to enhance that process. But, you know, it's, 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 it's all very Technical, so so there the help of lawyers um, is is needed. But yeah, um, the the enforcement of an of an of an of a settlement agreement in a foreign jurisdiction is is a is is you know is a particularity of, of cross border mediation that that, that that should be given some consideration up front. Um, th does that answer your question, uh, Sasha? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and. Um as it was expected, your, your insights were extremely helpful. Thanks for that. Thank you all. And uh, thank you to all listeners who have been listening to this podcast. And goodbye.